Welcome to the Faith Christian Fellowship of Montego Bay's podcast. We are reaching for His glory through building and teaching. I hope you are encouraged and edified by this message. I want to share with you on healing broken hearts. It's a part of our capacity building series, and I really do believe that God have every intention of ministering to each and every one of us with this word, healing broken hearts. Now, in the medical field, uh, there's a group of specialists called cardiologists, and they work on mending the physical heart, this heart that is behind your chest with the ventricles and atrium and septum and all of that. So the cardiologists work on the physical heart. And we thank God for the cardiologists, wherever they are in the world, if you are hearing this, we give a big shout out to the cardiologists, even among those of us that are in the service, they have been of great assistance and we thank God for working through them also. Life would be so different had it not been for the cardiologist. So we give you and we give you your props this morning. However, when the Bible you know speaks to the heart, like healing broken heart. We want to remind you that that heart is really talking about your spirit, right? So, as I said, the cardiologists mend the physical heart, but only God can heal wounded spirits. Only God can heal broken hearts. And all of us, at some point in life, has had broken hearts, whether it be from broken relationships, spousal relationship or family relationship, gone bad or, you know, situations at work, the church did you wrong, uh, there was injustice to you by the police or whatever, whatever the cause of it may be, all of us have had wounded spirits. And one of the reasons why this word comes to you this morning is because some of those wounded spirits have not been healed. So this is the day, this is the time to start the healing process as we talk about healing broken out. I want to start off from St. Luke chapter 4. We're going to read a portion of scripture from St. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. It says, Jesus himself was speaking and he said, the spirit of the Lord, in other words, the Holy Spirit is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and the recovering of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. How to read the same portion from Isaiah chapter 61? Let's start at verse 1. So the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he have, he, the Lord, has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the broken hearted, to proclaim liberty or freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. The spirit of the Lord, the sovereign Lord, the supreme ruler is upon me because he has anointed me. Now, first of all, it is interesting that Jesus made sure that he pointed out that the spirit of the Lord is upon me to carry out this kind of assignment. This, this kind of assignment is impossible in your own natural strength. That is why the cardiologist can only deal with the physical heart. But Jesus said, for this kind of assignment, for this assignment that I'm on to heal broken hearts and all of that, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to carry out this assignment. Because if you do it in your own strength, you just will cause further damage. But first of all, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim good news to the poor. The poor need to be reminded constantly and guided that there is hope. The poor need to be reminded that they can be productive, that they don't have to stay in that state for the rest of your life, of their life. You might find yourself, you might grow up and find yourself in poverty, and you have no control over that. But destiny is always your responsibility. You don't have to stay poor, and you don't need Godfathers for that. There's a mechanism in the Word of God. The kingdom of God can cause the transition from poverty to wealth, to abundance. But again, this don't come with just natural effort. It comes with the spirit of the Lord being upon you because the, the mentality of the poor, the way the poor is cultured is that they just want to hear about money when they're going to get money and all of that kind of stuff. But the spirit of the Lord is upon you just like it was upon Jesus to preach the good news to the poor to say, there is hope. And that's not what we want to stop doing. And it says, he has sent me to bind up. Bind up, because it's another way of saying he. Because the thing is broken, you're putting it together to bind up the broken hearted. To proclaim freedom to the captives. Bind up the broken heart. That is all of us. So either you have been healed or you're still wounded. So this was meant for all of us to proclaim freedom, freedom for the captives. Now, you know, that's a big task. It's one thing to talk about freedom 
when someone is out of captivity. But when somebody is in captivity and don't see any way out, they don't want to hear from If you're not going to show them an immediate answer, they generally don't want to hear. But hear what Jesus said. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim freedom, to proclaim, to preach, or to announce Freedom, not to prophesy that it would come. In other words, it has already happened and you're proclaiming it. What Jesus was saying to us is that, ah, oh, your liberty, your freedom has already been settled in the spirit. God sent me to proclaim it to you. The council of the Godhead, Elohim, already met and we have settled your freedom. As a captive. So I'm here representing God, representing the Holy Spirit to tell you that you are free. Proclaim liberty to the captives. That is why the Bible says, Who the Son set free is free indeed. Now, after Adam's transgression, Man found himself in captivity to sin, in a place of hopelessness and destruction. And Jesus came to end that reign, that place of captivity to sin, and to give us hope. And that is why he proclaimed liberty to the captives. We who are free now were captives, and he came and proclaimed liberty to the captive. But it is interesting how the kingdom of God works, because generally, long before the manifestation of, of, of the freedom and the liberty comes, God will plant that deliverance in your spirit so that you are a part of the process. In fact, you, he enables you to give birth to it. Because if, if it just happened without you being involved, sometimes you don't quite appreciate it. So he put that burden in your spirit. That's how it works. He puts that burden in your spirit for freedom, for liberty. So all of a sudden you're going through a season where God is talking to you about being healed and you are singing songs of, of healing in your heart and in your life and you can't quite understand what is happening. You're reading scriptures. Everything that you see is just talking about healing and all of that. He's setting you up to give birth to your healing. So Long before that extraordinary night in Egypt, where God supernaturally delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, long before that time, God planted the deliverance of those people, the Hebrew nation, into Moses' heart. So God met him at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, and God spoke into his spirit and said, listen, I have seen the affliction of my people, Israel, and I want you, Moses, to lead them out of Egypt. 
I want you to confront Pharaoh who talked to Pharaoh about the situation. He put that burden of deliverance of Israel in Moses' spirit. And that's what God has been doing with you over time. Putting that burden of deliverance, of healing. Your wounded spirit has been planting the burden of that freedom in your spirit. And then he's going to work with you to ensure that you give birth to it because you can't give birth by yourself. The Bible says, as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. And here, here's what it goes on to say in Isaiah 66. Therefore, said, who has seen such a thing? Who has heard such a thing? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? In other words, who get pregnant and give birth at the same time? God said, it don't happen like that. But with my supernatural hand, I, I can put it on fast track. So he is setting you up for your healing and your deliverance. So here he was planting deliverance in Moses' spirit. When you conceive your deliverance, you carry the responsibility of giving birth to so that's why God was telling Moses at one time, tell your children. Moses went up to the mountain to talk to God, uh, and, and God said, listen, hey, the children has messed up themselves. Go down and see what they're doing. Because he put that burden in Moses for Israel. So sometimes some people don't show the interest that you would want them to show in certain things. You can't do like that because they're not carrying the burden that you're carrying. You need to give birth to what God has been putting in your spirit. So a big part of capacity building is getting healed. Because you cannot really build capacity if you're not whole. It doesn't matter what resources you put in the hands of wounded people. They cannot effectively use them if they're not whole, if they're not healed. If a soldier is wounded and lying on the ground, it doesn't matter that the size gun that he has in his hand. If, if, if his fingers can't even move, that gun that weapon can't help it. So it doesn't matter what resource you have or is available to you. If you are wounded, if you're broken, if you are sick, it's not going to help you. That is why we have to come into a place of healing so that we can utilize the resources that God has given to us. You know, a person that is healed, or let me say, say it another way, not, a person that is not healed have self-esteem issues, insecurity issues, they have broken perspectives. 
If you have broken perspective, you are always going to process things according to the broken perspective. You can't see it any other way. So even when something that is meaningful and God-ordained comes to your life, you process it with a broken perspective and think it is not for you. They're not trustworthy and all of that. So God sends somebody in your life for you to marry to. And you process them according to the broken relationship in the past. And you lose your blessing. God's favor come upon you concerning a job that you've been believing for, but you don't trust those people because of the broken perspective. So you don't even capitalize on the opportunity. That is why it is important to be healed because otherwise you're going to process everybody with a broken perspective. And that's why I hear people talk sometimes and say, I don't trust people. I don't trust anybody broken perspective, wounded spirit, it doesn't mean that people are not going to disappoint you when you trust them. Sometimes not intentionally, but that's the way it goes. Saul had a situation on the Damascus road. God confronted him. And you know, the story, supernatural, a voice from heaven saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And all that kind of stuff. And the conversion took place. He said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And God spoke to a man named Ananias and said, I'm sending Saul to you for you to pray for him to receive the Holy Ghost. That's all God was asking I want you to pray for him to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But Ananias already had a perspective of Saul and said, God, hold on, let me tell you about him. He said, God, who did he hear from? Can you imagine that God is telling him something and he said, God, no, I have heard. Let me tell you what I've heard. Well, who is more important to hear from? It's just one of the things that we do sometimes when we look back on it. But we do that sometimes. God speak to us and you say, God, no, that man. So Ananias said, Lord, I've heard about he's a threat. God said, be quiet. Let me give you my perspective on it. He's giving God his perspective. God said, let me give you my perspective on that. I have chosen him to bear my name before the Gentiles and to carry the gospel and to be a representative of him. That's my perspective also. I want you to pray for him to receive the Holy Ghost. The man became the leading missionary in the early church, wrote over three quarters of the New Testament. What if the situation had gone on Ananias' perspective? What would have happened? Cornelius, Acts chapter 10. That happened in Acts chapter 9 with, with, with um, Ananias and Saul. Then in Acts chapter 10, here's Peter. God sent Cornelius. He spoke to Cornelius and asked Cornelius to send them to Joppa for Peter. Peter and the other Jews, their perspective was that the Gentiles couldn't get saved. 
that salvation wasn't for them. They were not even loved in the church. So when God spoke to Peter, I mean, here's a man that had been with Jesus in, in the flesh. A man that was in the inner circle, sat with Jesus, heard from Jesus, got revelation in the past. But his perspective on the Gentiles was cute. And God said, listen, I want you to go to Cornelius' house. Say, God, no, 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 I can't, can't do that. But you know my position already, God. I don't touch anything coming up and clean up. I'm the kind of person who don't do this. And how many times do you hear that from people? That I'm the kind of person who don't put up with this. I'm the kind of person that... It's your perspective. And most times it is coming out of a wounded spirit. What is God's perspective on the matter? If, if your broken heart is going to be healed, and if you're going to help heal broken heart, you've got to get God's perspective on people. Because if you're looking for a reason not to reach out to me, you can find a hundred and one of them. So God's perspective is what is important in the situation. And maybe some of your brokenness still exists because you refuse to reach out to somebody else that God has put on your heart. And as a result, the thing cannot, the cycle cannot work the way it is supposed to in your life. A big part of capacity building, as I said, is being hope, getting people hope, getting people healed from past hurt. And when we say get healed, we're not talking about suppressing the situation. Because sometimes we've learned to just, just hold it in. And religion teaches us many times to be content. Godliness with contentment is great gain. What does that mean? But we're taught sometimes just to be contented with the situation. But God wants you to be healed. He wants you to be hope. He wants you to walk in victory. You see, if people are not whole, capacity building will be severely compromised. Because you cannot give what you don't have. So you can't minister healing if you don't have it. Only God can heal wounded spirits. And we have to continue to look to him. Now, I want to take this a little bit further. I want to read from Ecclesiastes chapter 3 portion that you know, verse 1, and share a few thoughts here with you. It says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. Every single activity is a time for everything. In other words, let me put it another way for you. Everything in life has a lifespan. 
everything has a lifespan. And when you put something in motion in your life, you do so at the risk of that thing that you put in motion running its entire course or lifespan in your life. Let me say that again. Everything has a lifespan. Everything has a course. It's run in life, the good and the bad. So whenever you put any system, anything at all in your life, any activity you put in your life, you do so at the risk of that thing which you put in your life running its entire course or living its lifespan in your life as opposed to out in the world. So therefore, you've got to be very, very careful what you put to work in your life. So the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. If you marry an unbeliever, you set in place in your life opposition to the Holy Spirit that is at work in your life. You're a believer and the Holy Spirit, God is working in your life. The kingdom of God is at work in your life. But you marry an unbeliever and you legally put opposition to the work of the kingdom in your life. And then two months after that, you ask God to remove him out of your life or her. It, it, it don't work like that. When you put that unbeliever in your life, what I'm saying is that you run the risk of them living their course. They're going to live for another 40 years, 30 years, 50 years. You're setting up yourself for that 40 or 50 years of pain. Don't be unequally yoked with unbeliever. So you might say to me, but Pastor Dean, the truth is, you know, he encourages me so much, more than even some of the church people. In fact, you know, he drops me to church every morning, Sunday, and even give me the tithe sometimes, it's just that they don't come. Now, listen, an unbeliever is an unbeliever. So I don't care what the pleasures are looking at in the immediate moment. It don't work. You're setting opposition to the Holy Spirit in your life for the duration of, of, of that course, of the course of that thing. So here's what is interesting. As difficult as some things are that you're seeing happening in the lives of people in your life, as Difficult as it is, and as it appears, you have to allow it to run its course. Because everything has a lifespan. And if you partner with it, you're setting it up to run its lifespan in your life. And that's why 
sometimes when people don't understand, they say, well, why don't you do something about that? And sometimes it is not that you don't want to do something about it. No, and that is not to excuse those that are just negligent. But sometimes you have to allow things to run their course. I don't quite agree with that. But I'm going to show you some, some, some things from the Bible in a moment. But the pain, painful part of all of this is that sometimes people seem to be hurting and getting hurt. More people seem to be getting hurt from these courses that you are allowing to run. Sick people seem to be getting hurt over time. And the natural thing is do something about it and stop people from being hurt. But the truth is you cannot interrupt the lifespan of certain things that you come and with because you put them in place in your life and they're going to run their course. In fact, sometimes if you try to interfere with them, you perpetuate the problem because you cause other problems that now start their course. So even when that thing ends, this problem that you create has its course. So I'm saying, you have to be very careful. Here's what is very important. Once you get this principle, to counter those things that are happening that are causing hurts and pain, you have to implement something that is stronger and more long-lasting in your life to counter that thing. Yes, you pray, but you have to implement an antidote for that thing. Something that is stronger than what is operating and that will outlast. That is why we go back to the word of God. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Heaven and earth shall pass, but God says, my word shall not pass. And we know that in the word of God, there is healing and there is life. John 6, 63, Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So you come to whatever is happening with that which is spirit and life. Put the word, put the kingdom principle to work in your life that will counter that which is happening. Minimize, and in some cases, you can uh, totally get rid of the, the situation in your life. You have to counter. So what I'm saying, in other words, that thing is still running its life, I mean, it's uh, course in your life, but there's something else in your life that is working alongside it and minimizing the effect of it in your life. So, here is the worst thing to do to try and counter it in your own strength or with any need. Because you see, if you go look for some mother to counter it, you set another problem in your life. 
So when that thing is seemingly over, mother's cycle is going. And so cycles after cycles after cycle, and you wonder why you can't get ahead because of the things that you've put in your life to work. So if you put prop something problematic to run a course in your life, it's going to produce the troubles that come with it, and you are going to be in serious problem. So as I said, sometimes as difficult as it is, you have to allow certain things to run their course and ask God for his strength and his grace to bring you here. I want to show you something here. You know, some people might say, why did God not do something about sin just after Adam and Eve sinned? When it was only those two people so that it don't affect the entire human race. I mean, all of us would have been affected if God had just done something about it at that stage. Only two people. Now we have over 7 billion people. Why did God not do something about it at that stage? Why did he not send Jesus at that stage and deal with the situation? The same principle that I'm talking to you about. Everything has its course. And if you plant something and don't allow it to run its course and it don't run its course, that actually violates another law. That, that, that contradicts the law of God. If you sow, you will reap. If you put the thing in course, it's going to produce in your life. And, and it has a lifespan. It has a course. And, and watch this. When God created earth and heaven and, and put Adam and Eve on the earth, in that time, eternity governed earth. That means anything that was introduced into the earth would be under the principles of eternity. In other words, you can't get rid of it that easily. Because remember, eternity is going to last forever. So sin was introduced under eternity. That means God couldn't the next day just root it up because he would violate his own principles. It was introduced under eternity. So watch this. Even when Adam sinned, the momentum of eternity carried him for another 930 years. That's a powerful eternity. God said you're going to die, but the momentum of eternity that he led there carried him for another 930 years. So sin being introduced under eternity had to run its course. You know there's a day coming that sin will be no more. Death will be no more. They would have run their course, have their lifespan, and be shut down. Therefore, the things in your life that are causing hurt and pain, 
You cannot waste your life just trying to dig them up every day because you already spent it in your life. So they, 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 they produce other seeds that grow over here on the left side, left side, and on the right side, and all of that. So they all over. The way to deal with it is to introduce principles that will counter those principles from the Word of God that will outlast those things and pr produce results that would be otherwise impossible. I'm trusting the Holy Ghost to further speak to you on, on, on this word this morning as we talk about healing broken heart. Because sometimes we just come to the altar and pray and if you notice then wounds are still there. It's not a lot of praying. You have prayed about it. You have fasted. You have done the 21 days fasting. You have done the 15 days fasting. You have done the 3 day fasting. You have done the 40 days fasting. But this situation still exists. You have to counter it with something that can overpower, so to speak. And that something is the word of God, the kingdom of God. So the Bible said, by his tribes, I am the. That's why if you don't get close to God, I don't care what you think, you will continue to be wounded. I want to read one more scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to read from verse 7 to 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 from verse 7 to 9. And here we're talking about how Paul said that a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet him. All right, it says because of the extra, we're reading from the Message Bible, by the way. Because of the extravagance of these or those revelations, and so I wouldn't get get a big head. I wouldn't get a big head. I was given the gift of a handicap. The other version says a messenger of Satan. So it was given a, 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 a handicap to keep him in constant touch with his limitations, to keep him grounded, keep him humbly said. That's what he's saying. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. Right? Satan's angel did his best to get me down. He's doing the same to get you down. What he, in fact, did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that. And there he told me, my grace is sufficient for you and my strength is made perfect in the times of weaknesses according to one translation. The point that I'm making here is that here was this thing in Paul's life that as a mighty man of prayer, he went to God three times to pray to remove it. And God said, no, that's not the answer. Removing whatever message of Satan is there to profit you is not the answer. Here is the answer. To understand that my grace, unmerited favor, 
is sufficient for you. In other words, what you really need to focus on is how I can take you through it and give you victory. Sometimes we're so distracted by the situation that we don't see the help. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus said to Simon Peter, he said, Satan desired to sift you as weak, as weak. But I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you are finished, when you go through, when you overcome, go and strengthen the, the burden. That's interesting. God said Satan desired to sift the man as weak. So, God, why don't you just move, remove him? I'm going into intercession overnight here. Just, just remove him. But he don't even come into my space. I rebuke the temptation. Because I know what I'm praying for is that your faith will not fail. I'm, I'm not praying that the situation won't happen, but that your faith will take you through it. You're countering it with your faith. The process is necessary. Yes, demonstrate your trust, your confidence in you. So, you see, if you manage and come through, then the next time situation comes, it's not an issue because you know how to overcome it. So, you counter, counter the situation with your faith. They came up with some survey about people who have been healed by God. And how they, they they got sick afterwards, and the news media jumped on got, got sick from the same sickness, and that's interesting because it's one thing to be healed; it's a different story to maintain your healing. There's something as maintaining your healing, and that that how you maintain your healing is about overcome. So, you know, many people have had prayer and get healed. But if you are eating a certain kind of food, a diet that causes you to sin, and you get healed right now, and you go back on that diet uh, for the next six months, you get sick again. Because you're actually conquering the healing. So, God said, My grace. Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is made perfect in the time of times of weakness. Uh, Matthew chapter 13. Let's read Matthew chapter 13. I'm gonna close with this, verse 24. So, as I said, in uh in healing broken heart, you've got to set healing in your life. Set healing. Jesus told them another parable. The, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Sometimes we sow good uh, seed in, in the field, but things happen after a while and all kinds of stuff happen. It says, while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed wheat among the wheat and went away. An enemy. I want you to uh, notice that uh, an enemy sowed Weeds among the seeds. 
right? The King James says tears among the, the, the wheat. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. We talk about growing, so both of them came up. Both of them were running course simultaneously. So each of them had their rice pan, the wheat and the weeds. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then, where then did the weeds come from? Where did these come from? You know, but we didn't see these. And you might say the same thing too. My mother never grew me like that, I never grew up like that. Where did these things come from in my life? The Bible said, an enemy sold it. The enemy is looking for opportunity to sow weeds in your life. I don't care how spiritual you are. In fact, the more spiritual you are, is the more is looking for opportunity to sow weeds in your life. And he will sow it through any means. And that's what we're saying. You know, being unequally yoked with unbeliever, give him a better chance to sow weeds in your life. So the owner said, an enemy did, did this. He replied, the servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up, pull up the weeds? Interesting question. And he said, no. He answered, and Jesus himself was given this parable. He said, because while you're pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Jesus said, look, let both go together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be buried. Then gather the weeds and bring them into my mouth. You can read the rest of it. Because he goes on to explain the parable even further. I'll give the interpretation of the parable. And the harvester is the son of man, you know, the, the angels and all of that. We're not the harvester, really. But here's the interesting point. He said, don't, don't, don't pull up the weeds. Don't pull up the weeds. Because maybe you might be well intentioned, but in pulling up the weeds, you pull up the wheat also. Sometimes we are so focused that those weeds, those tears have to come out of our lives. We spend our lives focusing on that. And in the process, we pull up the wheat also. How many times people pull up the weeds that are supposed to be producing better and longer harvest and countering that which is coming against you? And today, I want to warn you. If it takes patience, it takes the grace of God to let both grow together. But because of our culture, our natural minds are said, pull them up. As I said earlier, if it was me, you, you, that's why I'm not in leadership. You guys are too soft. If it was me, I would do this and I would, I would pull them up. Let the wheat and the tail grow together because you are destroying 
the wheat that is supposed to have lifelong effect in your life. Look for the principles. Look for the kingdom keys that will counter those weeds. I mean, it's not easy to step outside on your porch and see those weeds. I know that. But you have not been equipped to read those things. So the harvester knows how to separate the wheat and the tears. The tears. So in an effort, you, you are hurting and you really want to get healed. But the things that you're doing is they are perpetuating the hurt in your own life. And it's amazing listening to people explain. Pastor, I, I went about it real carefully. And, and if you try to say something, so be careful. No, 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 no. I, I didn't know this. I, I went about it this way. But listen to me. You were not designed to do circumcision of the heart. The circumcision of the heart is the work of the Holy Spirit. If you do it, you're going to wound yourself. You are going to perpetuate the hurt. God wants you to be healed from those hurts. We thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you and have a great day. You may contact us by email at fcfmontegobay at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at fcfmobay and on Facebook at fcfmontegobay.